Hello, I'm Russell Shaw, a Senior Market Specialist at FXM. Welcome to FXM Market Talk, your trading and finance podcast. Since 1999, FXM has provided global traders access to the world's largest and most liquid markets. Keep listening to get our quality market commentary and analysis. Hello everyone and thank you very much for joining FXCM Market Talk, your trading and finance podcast. Today is Monday, it's the 28th of November. Joining me in a moment will be Senior Market Specialist Nick Tsaburis. My name is Russell Shaw. I'm also a Senior Market Specialist at FXCM. Just before I bring Nick in, uh, as always, just want to remind everyone that this is a general market commentary only. Please don't take this as investment advice. And in this regard, uh, please listen all the way to the end. We'll have our regional dis- I beg your pardon, we'll have our regional disclaimers right at the end of the podcast. Uh, with that um, out of the way, let's bring Nick in. Hello, Nick. Hello, Russell. Hello to our listeners. Um, good to be talking with you again on our uh, podcast. In, indeed. Uh, I was it's, I was away for a few weeks. I, I've been very eager to uh, catch up with you, uh, Nick. Yeah, it uh, has been an eventful week, and the current one is also loaded even more so than the previous one. Let's let's start last week. Last week, of course, was a shortened week just in terms of the uh, Thanksgiving uh, long weekend. Nevertheless, uh, there were some things on the calendar that I think uh, caught your eye. Um, What's the uh, first um, item that you want to talk about, Nick? Yeah, so uh, monetary policy <laughs> remained um, in the spotlight. Uh, we had the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, mm-hmm. which actually hiked rates by 75 basis points. This is a record hike and an acceleration compared to uh, previous moves of a series of 50 uh, basis points moves. And not only that, but they also expect further tightening ahead despite impending recession. And they now project rates to go to peak at 5.5% from 4.25% currently. So definitely an an acceleration and definitely more moves to come. Yeah, Yeah, big change. What's your your, um, feel about that just with regards to the RBNZ and, and other central banks? Yeah, I think this shows that we're in a world where there are different policies. Yeah, okay, everyone is tightening, but now we have to come. And if we talked, you and I, about this so, sort of crossroads in monetary policy. Now, uh, the RBNZ accelerated, whereas other central banks, such as, such as its Australian counterpart, has already downshifted right. two times. Uh, the Fed is looking to slow down the pace. So we can see that there are some, um, you know, uh, different things playing here. I'd like to um, hold off on the Fed uh, f- until the, yeah. uh, we, we talk about this week. Um, perhaps just to bring up, th- there was something in the Wall Street Journal, wasn't there, about oil. Uh, what did you make of that? Yeah, that was an interesting one. The, uh, the newspaper uh, reported that OPEC Plus was uh, looking to increase productions by uh, 500k barrels a day ahead of the December 4th uh, meeting. Uh, 
Now, however, we know that uh, the group has been uh, increasing production again. Actually, in October, it announced a massive output hike plan of 2 million barrels per day. So Saudi Arabia, the de facto leader of OPEC, uh, actually denied this report. Mm. It reiterated its commitment to the current output hike plan and uh, said that it, that the group is actually ready to reduce further if necessary to bring a balance between supply and demand. And now this, uh, for me, is, is important because the OPEC and the Saudis and, and Russia have so the strong commitment to supporting prices. And it's, it seems logical seeing... that, don't you think, Nick? Yeah. That, that, that the, I mean, at the moment, price is getting uh, hammered, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and we see we see this push and pull between demand and supply forecast and supply fears, right? Uh, because um, we have uh, fears over demand that goes that emanate from various factors, some of which we will discuss uh, later on. But uh, you know, all producing countries have been trying to support prices, and for me, uh, the the two million cut plan is very forceful. You know, it sends a very strong message. And the Saudis sent another strong message. Now, of course, we don't know what they're going to do, but we know that they have definitely resisting calls for um, uh, increasing supply for a couple of years now, essentially. So not, not a couple, maybe less, but they're, they're going to do what they, they believe they need to do. Just just to uh, expand on this, this theme, I mean, um, China is a huge consumer of, of energy in of itself, they themselves yeah. they have problems, don't they? Yeah, so they're the the, lar the second largest consumer of oil. They're the second biggest economy, and mm -hmm. they're also actually I think the the biggest importer of oil. So definitely an important player for um, uh, for uh, for oil demand. And with the COVID situation there, they're definitely um, fears for demand from China. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we, we've seen protests um, over the weekend. This is um, now they effectively um, there's a challenge to the to the COVID zero policy. But before we even discuss that, Nick, that in of itself has got to be a huge uh, barrier to um, just to oil demand right there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've actually seen this on China's uh, data points, the, the impact of uh, of um, COVID-19 in general in their economic activity, uh, in their production, in their exports, in their imports. Everything has has, um, has um, pointed, this, this recent surge in cases has uh, definitely um, hampered already in corporate talk. We'll see it as well. Uh, we had a Apple earlier in the month um, talking about lower production levels of iPhone um, and, and stuff like that. So definitely a key source of risk there for, for oil. Absolutely. I mean, there, there has been some talk about, um, you know, a, a cycle low. Um, and I think from our point of view, we're still monitoring, aren't we? Yeah, um, you're talking now about a, a broader point, right? Just, just, just broader. I mean, so we're talking about yeah. um, oil um, oil production being tightened as opposed to um, expanded. We're talking about um, a major 
part of the growth engine still in in, in severe lockdown i mean the the, the soccer low surely uh, still needs to be uh, monitored with care yeah we did have some encouraging signs like from europe last week um uh, because we saw an expansion in the gdp there bigger than expected so we seen some resilience but of course this is also helped by a mild um weather in europe which mm-hmm. uh, you know sort of alleviates the the natural gas uh situation so there are definitely some encouraging signs and with potential for slower rate hikes ahead uh and perhaps there is but it's definitely too early to to call that right yeah i think with the with the potential slowing of rate hikes, I actually think that's a good segue into let's move into this week, Nick, because I know mm. of course we've got um, data out of Europe. We've got uh, a lot of data coming out of the US, and mm-hmm. uh, we've actually purposefully left the Fed minutes to uh, to this part of our discussion. Uh, should we perhaps uh, bring the Fed minutes in roundabout now? Yeah, so the the reason we kept this here is because we we expect what I'd like to say is that this week, other than US, apart from other US data that we're gonna talk about, we also have uh, a speech by Sir Powell on Wednesday. Now, of course, we don't know what he's going to say, but uh, the theme is economic outlook, inflation, and the labor market. So I guess there are high chances for him to comment on monetary policy absolutely uh, and settle the conversation and uh, this is also the last week where fed officials will have the chance to speak because then we uh the communication blackout period kicks in ahead of the uh december decision right yes yeah, so, so what do what do we know so far exactly uh, yeah the, the, the fed minutes a little bit yeah, so yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so we had the Fed minutes in a series of speeches. So what the Fed minutes showed that, uh, and I actually quote now, a substantial majority of participant, par- participants, mm-hmm. uh, that was the uh, the amount, let's say, <laughs> of participants, uh, they, they do believe that there could be um, a slowdown in the pace of increases. And that would probably likely soon be appropriate again, quote unquote, likely soon be appropriate. Uh, so definitely, we do know that they're looking to slow down. We don't know exactly when, but uh, along with other speeches, that we do know that uh, some are ready for a smaller hike in December. Yeah, I'd be interested. I think uh, um, Bullard is speaking later in the day. I'd be interested just to uh, hear what. He- his point yeah. of view. I mean, he was um, an extreme dove at one stage, moving into an extreme hawk. I'd like to kind of hear what he has to. Yeah, he's, to he's definitely the foremost hawk at this stage. But yeah. um, for good or bad, he's not voting next year because <laughs> of the changes every year. Uh, so we'll we'll be watching more players. I also need to say uh, some make another point around the Fed's intention. So we do have seen an intention to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have seen some uh, officials ready to do so next month. But there is some division there. It's not like it's one view. Some seem reluctant to downshift. Uh, but overall, everyone seems hawkish. 
and sees the need for further tightening. And actually, many participants, and Sir Paul said that uh, in the last press conference, that they now believe that the terminal rate is higher than what they previously projected. So I, I don't think there's much room for dovishness here, right? So from my point of view, I've been looking at the U.S. two-year yield. Um, it certainly hasn't pulled back to the extent that um, the market uh, is suggesting in terms of a pivot. Um, it has, uh, let's say, it's starting to move sideways. Hmm. I think for me, Nick, the big, the big deal was that the median CPI did taper off, which... Yeah. Uh, perhaps suggests some of the stickier elements are starting to respond. Um, but of course, we know one data point doesn't make a trend, right? Definitely. And, and I think I just want to, to stay on that pivot uh, part. Um, I'm not sure what constitutes a pivot in the market's mind. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what, what you think. Like, is a slowdown a pivot? I, I don't think it's a pivot. And we've seen... Markets looking for picking Fed's hawkishness, hawkishness, picking inflation, uh, picking US dollar strength, but so far such hopes have been disappointed. Let's say, right? Yeah. What What I think um, is, dare I fall back on the old data dependency um, line? I think that we definitely need to see more moderation in the inflation data at the very least before we can really start talking about a, 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 a Fed pivot, because I would agree uh, increasing at 50 is, uh, yes, we're increasing at a decreasing rate. Uh, nevertheless, we're still increasing. So it's not a pivot, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the only pivot is from a 75 to a 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only pivot I see. So um, I think, but we, we've got, we're going to get some more data out this week, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, exactly. You're spot on on the data part. Uh, so what, what, what else are we looking this week? Well, I think uh, Thursday for me is a big day. We're going to have um, the uh, PCE inflation. Um, I think that there is a um, a huge amount of focus now on the um, any any inflation data point that comes out because it really is um, a key driver of Fed policy at the moment. Exactly, the key driver and. Uh... Of course, uh, the, the core PC is the Fed's preferred goes on, goes on, goes on measure of inflation. That's right. And it, the last, the previous data for um, uh, September, core PC grew 5.1%, which, which was the highest since March. So uh, we're definitely um, seeing a persistence there, but we're going to need to wait for the, for the latest data. Do you have any expectations out of uh, Thursday? Uh, I, I think it would be reasonable for it to ease a little bit. Uh, but uh, other than that, we're going to have to yeah, wait and see. Of course. I, I think that um, I would also expect some easing there. Uh, I'm basing that on the sort of the the moderation in that sticky element. However, um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. PCE uh, is calculated differently to, to CPI. So we must just yeah. obviously uh, put that out there. Uh, what what other data points you're looking at this week, Nick? Yeah, we're obviously gonna have the the GDP, uh, the Q3 GDP, the the second reading, still a preliminary figure. Uh, so 
the first reading was plus 2.6%, while the final for the previous quarter was a contraction of 0.6%. Um, it was the second consecutive quarter of contraction. The US mm -hmm. economy looks to be past the contraction and definitely something that the Fed had uh, touted that uh, didn't see a recession. So that, that's one thing. But but again, the CPI, the, sorry, the PC inflation figure is the main event. And of course, we also have uh, the, the jobs report, the NFPs, right? Yeah, that's right. So Friday, we see um, the non-farm payroll uh, or non-farm employment change effectively be released. Um, again, uh, there is a, an expectation for, um, I think I saw 200,000 jobs being created. Yeah, so that would be another slowdown. So we have seen the job creation slowing down. We saw last month a smaller amount, smaller amount of jobs created month over month. And we also had the unemployment going higher to 3.7%, but still very low. And still the market remains very tight, the labor market. So... Uh, although we are seeing, I think we are seeing the effects of the Fed's policy, right? Or at least some first effects. Yes, I think so. I think that the transmission mechanism is known to be um, lagging. Um, at this stage, there uh, it, it must it must have um, come through um, the transmission mechanism, so to speak. And I think that is exactly what we are uh, witnessing in the in the da the data points. Again, just to reiterate. Has the cuts, I beg your pardon, has the hikes uh, effectively, uh, are they going to be reflected in uh, that inflation data? For me, that is uh, absolute key at the moment. Yeah, so, but so far what we've seen, we've seen some first sign of this, but not to an extent that uh, will make the Fed change course, let's say, right? Yeah. Um, what about across the pond on the European side of the global economy. Um, what, what are you looking at there, Nick? Yeah, we also have the um, preliminary inflation figures for uh, Eurozone for November. Now, the, the final CPI headline CPI was at record 10.6%. So it definitely puts pressure on the European Central Bank to, to continue with its tightening. We do know that they expect to tighten more, but there is also a conversation there as to whether they can keep up with this aggressive um, hike cycle all, or they will also need to, to slow down and of course uh, contrary I would say to the Fed uh, the European Central Bank uh, has been very vague as to where the terminal rate is which yes. is the end of the road essentially and also to what neutral is uh, so but I don't think that we can see something that uh, can move the needle there it's it's I don't know, it, it, it would need to be a big surprise to either way to sort of force uh, the ACB into something, I think, because uh, there, there is, you know, it's pretty contentious in <laughs> among po amongst policymakers there as to what they're going to do, but they're definitely looking to uh, to tighten. Yeah, I'll tell you uh, something that, that just, uh, just come to mind, Nick. So um, take this with a, a pinch of salt, but it's almost as if the, uh, global central banks, not all of them, have waited for the Fed to do the, the heavy lifting. Uh, the one central bank that comes to mind right away is obviously the Bank of Japan. But just, yeah. in, uh, just in terms of um, the dollar being the reserve currency and the fact that um, you know, the, M2, uh, the speed of which M2 uh, money supply 
Um, the rate of change has come down uh, remarkably. I just wonder if um, central banks sort of talk talk the talk, but really w are looking for the Fed to walk the walk. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I agree with that. And we need to, like, if we look a year ago, so the first, made, I, I leave the Reserve Bank of New Zealand out of it because yeah. it's by far the most hawkish one and they do their own thing, I believe. Uh, but looking at major central banks, obviously the ECB was very late to the party. It yeah. only lifted a couple of months, a few months ago, but has done so very aggressively. Now, the first major central bank that actually raised rates was the Bank of England, right? Yeah. Lift off December 2021. Yeah. However, that was only after the Fed had actually um, uh, retired the term transitory for inflation and put its focus on inflation and announced uh, a change, of course. So even though uh, the Fed's rate hike cycle only started in March, long after the Bank of England, uh, it's still essentially the one that gave the signal. Yeah, I think that the, the market responded to, uh, to Fed speaks, so, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick, uh, we've come to the end of my list. Is there anything else on your list that you uh, want to bring up? No, I think we covered most of the uh, points uh, we were looking to. And uh, as we said, it's definitely a, a loaded week. Absolutely. Uh, I think next week, um, I believe you may um, be off on that Monday. So potentially we, yeah. may, uh, we may do the next one next Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Nick, I want to thank you for your input. It has been uh, superb as always. Thank you. Just to the listeners, uh, what I'd like to do is remind you to listen all the way to the end. We're going to have our regional disclaimers up next. FXM Limited, www.fxm.com forward slash UK. CFDs are complex instruments and come with a high risk of losing money rapidly due to leverage. 71% of retail investor accounts lose money when trading CFDs with this provider. You should consider whether you understand how CFDs work and whether you can afford to take the high risk of losing your money. FXCM Australia, you can sustain a total loss of deposits. Please refer to our product disclosure statement at www.fxm.com forward slash au. FXCM markets, losses can exceed deposits. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, other information or references to third party sites contained in this podcast are provided on an as-is basis as general market commentary and do not constitute investment advice. The market commentary has not been prepared in accordance with legal requirements designed to promote the independence of investment research, and it is therefore not subject to any prohibition on dealing ahead of dissemination. Although this commentary is not produced by an independent source, FXM takes all sufficient steps to eliminate or prevent any conflicts of interest arising out of the production and dissemination of this communication. Past performance is not an indicator of future results.